Father, we just come before you. And Lord, we thank you for your grace that is sufficient. And Lord, I just pray, God, that um, what is really on your heart, Lord God, that, that you would just speak to every person. And I pray that you give all of us a new faith, a new strength today to uh, just for the journey ahead. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us grace to hear what your spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today I want to talk to you about this idea of God's grace in the midst of suffering. And already some people are like, oh no, not a, Tim preached about tribulation a couple weeks ago, and, and then I'm talking about suffering. Uh, but I, I really uh, just felt like the Lord impressed this on my heart. I had, I think, a, a series of other ideas in my head, but I was, uh, through those doors is our prayer room, and I was, I was in our prayer room uh, this Friday, and as I was praying, I felt like God just gave me a download of what a lot of his kids have been going through, a lot of, a lot of uh, both people maybe online or maybe you in-house. And the, the, what I experienced was almost overwhelming because I experienced both in, in, a, in a, I, like flashes of images started going in, in my mind's eye, and I began to see individuals and how they were suffering, and I began to see the magnitude and the, long, long, uh, the longness of it, of how long they've been waiting on God, and how many times they've been pressing through a variety of circumstances that are, are at times maybe overwhelming. And then on top of that, I felt like God began to pour out his heart, and I began to feel God's emotion about it. And I began to feel God's perspective of it. And I kind of saw God in my mind's eye in his care and his compassion over his people who have been going through some very difficult things. And so I, I felt like the, if, if you get nothing out of what I have to say, like get, get this, this is the, the big idea that I really want you to walk away with. And that is, is that regardless of your circumstance and your suffering and your pain, I believe the Lord today wants you to know that he sees you and that he has so much love and he has so much compassion for you. That God, it's hard to put into words the emotion that I felt, but I'm praying that as I even talk today that God will just touch you himself with his love and his compassion for you. Because there are many of you in this room that you are suffering out of your obedience to Jesus. Some of you have literally gone through reproach where maybe you have felt like a fool or maybe you have looked like a fool to other people. And God looks at that and he is moved. I really believe God is moved by that. And that God looks at that as a special offering of worship. There's a lot, of, when you think about worship, what is worship? The big idea about worship is worship is a gift. It is a gift that you give to God. And so when we give, you know, when we sing songs, you can, you can move God's heart in, the, you know, in your song. But I believe that when you are going through suffering and it seems like God's not there, or it seems like God's not pulling you out of it, that moves God's heart in a special way. I think that we all really like and we glorify that breakthrough kind of faith, that immediate kind of faith. And 
a great image of that is of the breakthrough kind of faith is, is a very famous story of David and Goliath. David goes against Goliath, and David has faith for a victory. David has faith that God's going to be there. And in that moment, David sees immediate breakthrough. And I love that, and I think that's what we all want, is God just to fix our problems within about 15 minutes, to take down our giant. But what we see in the life of David is that was not the greatest giant that David would face. I don't know if this was the greatest, but one of the greatest giants David had to face was probably about maybe 13 to 15 years of running from Saul. And that is much more painful because in that environment, you have what's called an enduring faith. And an enduring faith is very precious to God. An enduring faith is when your faith goes through fire after fire and circumstance after circumstance. Some of you have found yourself going to difficult situations. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're suffering in your relationships because, you know, you're just believing God. You're just believing God. You're just believing God. And you would say, Daniel, I've been waiting on God for five years, for ten years, maybe more than ten years, where you have found yourself believing God for a breakthrough, and you are weary, and you have been in a valley because you're like, God, where are you, and why aren't you listening to me? And if you're so strong and mighty, why won't you do something about my pain? And so out of, out of all these dynamics... Sometimes it's our, it's our own mistakes. Other times it's flat-out obedience to God. But I just feel like the Lord today wants to minister to some people's hearts, both in the room and online, that God sees you. And when you believe, and it feels like you have already believed, and you've already believed, and you've already believed, and there's just no end in sight, God sees you, and you have moved his heart. And you are valuable to him. He treasures you. And you are not doing anything wrong. You have not failed. Your problem is not a lack of faith. Your problem is, in many instances, not sin. Unless God is blatantly speaking to you in an area in your life that you need to change. But for a lot of us, we go through this suffering and the endurance and be like, God, I've tried, I've tried. I'm like, and, and it's not like God's bringing any conviction or a particular sin that you need to repent of. You're not, you're not doing anything wrong. You're right where you need to be, and you're becoming who you need to become. And so today we're going to look at just a, a, a portion of Scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to just kind of take some time to kind of process through this idea of God's grace in the midst of suffering. But I just want to reiterate that God loves you so much. God really, really cares for you. And everything he is doing in your life is only built out of love, out of pure love for you. He understands what we don't understand. He sees what we do not see but his ways are higher than our ways. And he sees things that we will never even grasp in this, in this life. So I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 5. And I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll kind of come back 
and look at it. If you have a Bible on your phone uh, or a Bible in your hand, I recommend using that today because I'm going to read it, but then we're going to do a little zigzagging in the scripture uh, of 1 Peter chapter 5, and it might be easier to track if you have it in front of you. So 1 Peter chapter 5, this is of course the Apostle Peter who's talking. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So I want you to look at verse 8 with me. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look at in verse 9 especially. Resist him steadfast in the faith. I'll say that again. <clears throat> steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So Paul, Paul, Peter, is talking to God's people about suffering. And I think a lot of times we have the idea that suffering is not, you know, is not part of the Christian walk. But when I, what I want you to see here in verses 8 and 9, this big idea, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because the enemy, the devil, is out to get you. He is out to attack you. But here's the, where the, the battle is. The battle is over your faith. I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. The battle is greater than oftentimes what we see or what we think we're dealing with. The ultimate battle that we are facing is the battle to keep our faith. You see, God gives to every one of us a measure of faith. And what we do with that faith will, you know, will determine a lot in our lives because we can choose to steward that faith. We can choose to weight lift, so to speak, that, that faith and to grow it and to multiply it. But we can also allow it to extinguish. And what happens a lot of times is when we go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we go through things in our life, and you believe God for something, and then that something doesn't happen. What are you going to do in that moment? 
A lot of people right now are shipwrecking their faith because they are disappointed with God. A lot of people that have been following God for many years have come to the point of giving up. They have come to the point, like, I waited for God, and then I waited for God, and then I heard the sermon, and then I waited on God, and I read the Bible, and I waited on God, and God isn't doing anything. Because here's the thing. In verse uh, 6, it talks about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And I think for a lot of us, we think we know when due time is, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've told God over, God, I'm ready. I promise you, I'm ready, God. It's due time. You know, we we feel such a weariness because I'm not talking to people that that don't know what I'm talking about, so to speak. You, in this audience, have humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. I, I sensed that as I was praying on Friday. There are a lot of people under the sound of my voice, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have been treated poorly at work. You have had certain circumstances happen in your marriage. You've had things happen in your family. You believe God, you prayed, you fasted, you went under the mighty hand of God, and the devil comes and he mocks you and says, you've put yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he's never lifted you up. And the enemy comes, and he sometimes will assault us and try to make us feel guilty and make us feel like we're doing something wrong. And he'll try to bring shame and condemnation to us. But even more than that, he'll come and accuse God. If God was real, what kind of a loving God? If God is love and God is all-powerful, why would God allow you to be in this kind of pain? What kind of God, because a lot of times we can, in some ways, disobey God and escape from the pain. Sometimes we can just run from the pain and, and run to another person. You know, leave your spouse, run to another person. Now, you're not really running from your pain, but you, you kind of think you are. You think you're getting away, like this is going to be the answer I need to get a new husband, to get a new wife, to, to get yourself into a relationship that maybe is going to cause destruction. Maybe it's to drop everything, quit your job, and run away from the call of God and do like Jonah did and be like, I'm running away from what God wants me to do. Maybe it's your calling. Maybe it's just your resolve to stand in the evil day and to battle and to pray and to contend for people and work and our nation. Because it's a lot easier just to numb yourself and just to get into your hobbies and stop believing God and stop having much of a prayer life and just get into just, I'm going to make it about me being happy because it hurts too much to contend for change. It hurts too much to contend for my loved ones. It hurts too much to believe in God. And how many times have we found ourselves just feeling like utter fools? And the devil comes look at you, don't you feel sorry for yourself? I mean, have you ever felt sorry for yourself? Like you're just this martyr, woe is me. 
God, I'm just the only one. I'm obeying you. I'm just following you. Woe is me. And we get into a pit really fast. The enemy loves to make, to remind us of all the good things we did for God and how much God owes us. And so we, we find ourselves in these dynamics and in these circumstances. And Peter is saying, when you're in the midst of suffering, you have got to be on your guard. You have got to be on your guard. Because when you go through the pain, the enemy loves to come and to lie to you and to deceive you and to, and to really be like, God's not real. Or, or, to, or to flat out just to create an anger with God. And so what's happening is, through the fire of testing, we are seeing a lot of people across this nation walk away from their faith. But I always, it's going to sound like, I, hopefully this comes out right. When an individual gets mad at God because God doesn't show up the way they want, what kind of faith did they really have? You see, the faith, the, the fire, yeah, the fire tests the faith to prove what kind of faith you have. Because uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in a situation where uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to bow before his idol. And they would not do it. And then he said, well, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And these guys say, God is going to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, we will still not bow before your God. And I believe that that is the, is the kind of faith that we need to have. The kind of faith that says, I'm not putting my faith in the outcome. I'm putting my faith in a person. And that person is Jesus. It's so important. Because when you go through the pain and you go through the suffering year after year after year of waiting and trusting in God, you find out, were you really believing in God or were you believing in God to do what you wanted Him to do? It proves you. It proves your faith. And there are a lot of people that are mad at God, that have walked away from God, and they will someday stand before God at the judgment seat. And this is why your faith is so important. When we talk about confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved, we're not just talking about St. Hocus Pocus magic words. We're talking about you're inviting God in, but you have to steward a faith that will endure. A faith that will last through suffering. And so it is so important. I just want to encourage you today. And hopefully I can say this articulate enough. I, I remember when I was in high school, there, there was a girl there and not much of a grid for Christianity. But I remember her making this comment one time that she said, I don't believe in God. And we're kind of like, and I'm like, well, why? And she goes, because... I asked God to make it rain one day, I'm not, I'm not sorry, snow one day, and it didn't snow. 
And I am like, you're putting all of eternity on, on that? You're telling me that's, that is how we all know that God's real or not if he jumps through our hoops. I want you to, I want you to think through this. There are Christians and people that have shipwrecked their faith because God didn't come through like they wanted him to in one or maybe a few different circumstances. And I just want to encourage you, that's not what real genuine faith is built upon. I, I don't follow God today because I'm happy. I mean, that, is not a, that is actually not a good enough reason to build your faith on. I don't build my faith on God because he did a miracle once and I've seen a miracle. I mean, I've seen healings. I've seen miracles with my own eyes. I've heard of them and I've seen them. But that, well, that's really encouraging to me. That is actually not the foundation that my faith is built upon. And I just want to encourage you. You know, and sometimes, guys, let's just, you know, in, in, especially in a culture like ours, we are all about hearing the voice of God. But listen, I have had times in my life where I thought God spoke to me. I thought God said it would go this way. I thought God told me he would do this for me in this way. And then it didn't happen. Listen, we all, we all miss it. Sometimes God speaks and no matter how prophetic you are, you can miss it. And I say that not to scare you, but to take some of the weight off of you. Because this is why it's so important, first of all, to be in the scriptures so you can, you can make sure that when you hear God, it fits the bill in, this, in the word of God. But also, it's good to be in community. And so if I go and say to Rachel, I believe the Lord's telling me this, and Rachel says, I don't really think that's God. You know, it's a healthy thing to be able to have other people in community that can say, hey, I think you missed it. But nevertheless, I have had times in my life where I thought I knew what God was up to, and then I was wrong. And I just want to encourage you, don't beat yourself up. Don't think you don't hear God. Just move on. But at the exact same time, don't let that shipwreck your faith because of one story, because of one event. And I'm not downplaying the significance of some of the pain that you've gone through. I'm just encouraging you to resist the devil. Guard your faith because the, the devil is, yes, he wants to trip you up in a lot of ways, but the reality is he's really after your faith. He wants you to abandon God. He wants you to hate God. He wants you to give up on God and to become so disillusioned with him. So you must guard your faith that was entrusted to you. And that, I mean, and, and, and I know this is not, like, I'm, I'll just be brief about a couple of ways. Listen, I, I know of no other way to build my faith than to get close to God. That's just the reality of it. I... I don't build my faith on whether he makes the weather go the way I want. But what I do do is I try to come into the secret place through reading Christian books, reading the scriptures, prayer, singing praise and worship, just practicing listening to his voice and writing down what I hear the Lord saying to me. Like, 
All of, all of these things. As I spend time with God, God will manifest his presence. God will show up in your life. Seek him, you will find him. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Listen, I am not an expert in drawing, like, how do I say this? If you guys only knew how dumb I can be in prayer, like there are times where I'm reading the Bible and I'm clueless, or I'm in prayer and I'm clueless, but I know that if I will press in, he will draw near. And then, then everything changes. Because God speaks when God manifests and you hear his voice and you sense his presence, it builds faith. And this is how you can guard your faith is by spending quality time with Jesus because when you're hanging out with Jesus, it's hard to walk in unbelief. When you are abiding in him, it will make you strong. It will help you weather the storms of confusion. And you just, I, got, I, don't, I don't even understand what's happening here, God. I don't like it. I'm kind of upset right now. I don't like the pain. But as I draw near, he draws near. And then I can just be like, God, I trust you no matter what. And so I want to look at um, 1 Peter chapter 7. It says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That word care, it says, it comes from the, the two uh, words, means to divide the mind. So casting all that divides your mind upon him because he cares for you. So that word means distractions, anxieties, burdens, and worries. And I wish that this was one of those sermons that said, hey, just give it a little bit more time. You're almost on your breakthrough. I'm not, I'm not here to say that at all to you today. <laughs> I wish I could give you more hope. But the word I believe the Lord is speaking over you is cast all your care onto him. It is possible to be in the midst of your suffering, to be in the midst of the fight, and to still have perfect peace, and to have joy. And to somehow not be under your circumstances. The circumstances will change eventually. But today, I believe the Lord is saying, when you're in it and your circumstances have not changed, I want you to give it all to me. And what this is, is the compassion of God that he really wants to help you. I... Uh, Rachel and I have found ourselves in, in situations over the years where we're working with people and we really, really, really want to help them. And sometimes people don't want your help. Someone, someone's having a situation right now. They're, <laughs> they're, they're like, I know a person. No, no. But seriously, Have you ever been in a situation where you wanted to help somebody, but they were pushing back? 
You know, you know what, that, what that really comes down to? It's pride. Pride says, I don't need your help. Rachel and I, I think, in two, in, I think she had an encounter like this, and I had my own encounter like this, where we were like talking to God about trying to help people. God, I just want to help them, and they're just, they're just not listening, and they're not receiving, and they're not this. And you know what God said? He goes, that's how I feel. And I was like, that must be really hard to be God. Like, think about it. You can make a universe like nothing. You can put money in a, fish, a fish's mouth, but you can literally have an individual going in a mess, in an addiction, their life is spiraling out of control, and you're God Almighty, and because you gave them free will, you can't even help them. Because God resists the proud. Listen, God may like you. God may love you. You might even be his favorite. But if you're being prideful, he has no choice but to resist you. And why would a loving God do that? Well, in a nutshell, because if God exalted us in our prideful state, it would create a monster or monsters. I have shot off my mouth. I have exalted myself. I have been right. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what it's like to be right all the time. But nobody listens. Why? We're being resisted. We're at work and we have all the answers, but nobody listens. Why? We're being resisted. Maybe you're a teenager in this place, or maybe you're watching online, and you know all the answers. Your parents don't know anything, but you keep getting resisted. It's pride. It is pride. And the question is, what is pride? And I'm sure there's a lot better ways of describing it, but the way I view pride has a lot to do with self-reliance, self-sufficiency. When I think of humility, I believe the best way to describe humility is dependence. That's really what it is. A lot of, a lot of us think that humility, or I'm going to humble myself. All right, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm such a, and we start tearing ourselves down. We think that thinking lowly of ourselves is actually what humility is. But the greatest picture of humility, and I probably should have brought a tree branch. This will be my tree branch. I've got a tree branch right here. It has to do with abiding in the vine. A branch that has been disconnected from the tree will not live. It will die because its source has been disconnected. And, excuse me. When it comes to Christianity, the bread and butter of Christianity is humility and dependence on God. That is the bread and the butter. You might watch the news. You might have all the answers. You might think you're right. You might be at work and have solutions. But when you get to the place of abiding in the vine, and your source 
is Christ. And you're not dependent on, on your own identity. You're not dependent upon your own strengths. You're not looking for your identity in your strengths or in your weaknesses or what other people say about you. But rather, you're casting your care onto God. You know, you, you look at the state of our nation and the madness that is happening. The, the, the crazy ideas that we would have laughed at 20 years ago that now very educated people are actually professing to be truth. You can get all twisted and out of sorts. And we can look at the micro things in our lives that haven't happened yet and just go down the list in our own discouragement. But the Lord is saying, I want you to depend upon me. But God, what if you never do this? Well, what if God never does it? Will you still follow him? Will you still trust him? Will you depend on God or will you depend on an outcome? Will you follow him no matter what? Will you go through the fire giving all the cares to him, knowing that he'll take care of me? Whether it's school or work or family or something else, God's going to take care of you. So that's what it, it looks like to cast your care Upon him. Why? Because God really, really, really cares about you. And then, going up a couple of verses, verse 5, he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. That's old people. No, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. I just want to encourage you today. You can think you're humble, but if other people cannot speak into your life, you are not. A lot of us will say, I only listen to God. Well, that's not what Peter says right here. Be submissive to one another. Listen, there's a lot of Christians that are really hurting right now because they don't realize that God flows through a body. A lot of us want to be connected to the head, which is Jesus, but not his body. When you think about the body of Christ, the scriptures talk about the imagery of the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head, and we all have a part to play, but we're one body. Now, if the finger says to the hand, I don't need you, what do you think that's going to do in the long run? If the foot says, I've had enough of these Christians, it's just going to be me and Jesus, I'm leaving, and the foot walks off. How is that going to work out for the foot? I know it almost sounds stupid to say it out loud, but why are so many Christians doing this? How, there, there are probably more Christians in this city that are disconnected from the body of Christ that, that, than are. There are more people 
that believe in Jesus, have a quiet time, read the Bible, and yet they're not walking in humility because they think they can do this on their own. It requires great humility to work with people, especially when you're right and they won't listen to you. So what do we do with that? Humble ourselves, be submissive to one another. Listen, I don't care like how amazing you are. If you disconnect from Jesus, you are toast. If you disconnect from the body of Christ, your faith and your life will suffer. I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I've seen it. And a lot of people have given up. Some people completely abandoned their faith. Some people did not abandon their faith. They just kind of got passive, got lazy. They still believe in God. They just don't really, they're not going after it like they used to go after it. Why? variety of reasons, probably disappointment. But looking at this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What is grace? Grace is God's supernatural ability to be your source, to be everything that you need. Sometimes the grace pulls us out of it, Sometimes the grace leads us through it. And it is possible for us to go through a lot of shaking and still have joy. I, uh, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I think I will. The Lord, um, I believe the Lord has been speaking to me in a variety of ways for some time now. And more recently, the image that Jesus gave me was of, uh, you know how an earthquake is? And there's the epicenter of the earthquake. And the closer you get to the epicenter, the more violent the shaking. So if you get away from the earthquake, the less the ground will shake under you. If you start moving towards the earthquake, I mean, you know, obviously don't last that long, but the closer you get to the earthquake, the more your ground and your foundation will shake. And the Lord, I believe, has said to me that there is going to be such a great shaking on the earth that it is going to really pull people to himself. But what's going to happen is, is the, the earth is going to shake. And then it's going to shake. And then it's going to shake. And the world as we know it is going to be shaken to the point that people are going to run to God. And this is God's kindness. Because we, for whatever reason, have not done well with prosperity. We have made entertainment, food, pleasure, sex, money, our God. And I don't believe that we're going to stay in poverty. I don't believe, there, there's a lot of dynamics that are going to go into this, but this is the imagery that God showed me, was I saw this image in my mind's eye of 
the earth shaking and Jesus at the epicenter. And what he said to me was, is that the closer you get to Jesus, the, the epicenter, the less the ground will shake under you. The further a person is from God, the more they will be shaken. And everything we have built our lives upon is going to be exposed. Everything we found joy in, everything we found peace in, everything we lived for, and I'm talking about not just the church, everything will be exposed for what it is. And out of the brokenness, not all, but many will turn to God. And so I want to encourage you today to press in to Jesus. Because as you get closer to Him, the less you're building your life on the world. And in the midst of your circumstances, you can have peace. You can have joy. You can have grace. That is what we need in this hour. We need the grace of God. And we will get it by humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, there will be a due time. It's not going to be like this forever. But in due time, not when we think, but when God thinks, He will be the one to lift us up. He will lift you up. And so I want to look at verse uh, 10, where Peter says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He's the God of all grace. He's the God of all comfort. The thing is, is if everything was smooth, would you need grace? If everything was what you want, would you actually seek God? I hope you would. Let's just be honest. Some of you might just be in the room today because you know you need God. And that is the healthiest place you can be. Completely dependent. Completely trusting. We want to be strong. But God knows that our real strength is in our weakness. Because when we are weak, then we begin to realize, oh, I can't do this. I need to abide. I need to abide in Jesus. I need to abide in community. I need help. I need God and I need people to help me. I cannot do this life on my own. I can't put my trust in my paycheck. I can't put my trust in all the things that I used to rely upon. And that is so necessary because when, as you grow and as you mature, and many of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. You become less confident in your own ability. You become less confident in you. And that, I think, is God's goal. <laughs> Peter and many of the disciples were like, Oh, Lord, I'll never deny you. Jesus is like, You guys still think you can pull this off. 
Listen, God knows what's inside of all of us. And he knows where our strengths lie and he knows where our weaknesses are. And he is more than aware, but we are not. A lot of times we are not aware of our own weaknesses. And then what happens is when we become aware of our weaknesses, then the temptation is, God, like Moses, God, I, I can't do this. I'm not a good communicator. And God's like, I know. God, I can't do this. I'm not a good leader. And God's like, I know. And Moses like, Mo, you know, God's like, who, who makes mouths? And Moses gets, like, God, please just send anybody else. Send somebody else. Like anybody but me. And the thing is, is in, in, all, in both situations, we're finding our identity in our ability. And that is what, that's, that's what this is all about. Learning not to find your identity in you and not putting your trust and your confidence in you. God is raising up a glorious church and he is pulling us out of a works-based mentality and pulling us into a grace-based mentality. We, as the people of God, are going to operate in grace In the next, I believe by the 2030s, the body of Christ is going to be much more amazing. And it has a lot, and what's going to happen over these, the the 20s, this next 10 years, I believe somewhere in this frame, God is teaching his kids how to rest and how to abide because we have worked too hard and seen so little fruit. And so the Lord is training us to give up on our own works and our own gifts, and not in, in a sense, and our own abilities. And he is bringing us to this place of abiding. And out of this place of abiding, we will bear much fruit. And I believe that the body of Christ, once we begin to shift and we learn how to operate in grace, we are going to bear fruit that will remain. And we are going to see transformation of people's lives. But it all starts with getting weak and putting our trust in God. You guys want to stand? If we could have the prayer team come to the front, please. That'd be awesome. So I hope this sermon isn't for any of you guys. Maybe the second service or maybe the people online. You guys are the holy people. You guys are here on, on Memorial Day weekend. God bless you, holy people. And for those of you watching online, Jesus loves you too. <laughs> I was joking. But let, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just offer up ourselves to you, God. And I just pray for every person right now, God, that we would experience a fresh touch from you. God, I ask that you would comfort your people right now. That you would minister to them in ways only you can. So God, I'm going to stop talking for a moment. But Lord, I just ask that your presence would manifest to those watching online, to those in-house, that right now your presence and your peace would rest upon and that you would bring your comfort.
Lord Jesus, we're all in. Put our faith in you, no matter what. Lord, I do pray, God, as we talked about a heavy thing, that you would fill every one of us with your joy. God, I pray that we wouldn't all be heavy and sad and doom and gloom. But Lord, I pray rather that we would find our joy in your presence. Your scripture says in your presence is the fullness of joy. And so Lord, we ask that you would manifest and that you would pour out your spirit on us. We ask for help. We ask for grace. In Jesus' name.